You are Locked On Titans, your daily Tennessee Titans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to the Locked On Titans podcast. I am your host, Tyler Rowland. Titans fans, this rewatch Wednesday edition of the Locked On Titans podcast is presented by Pepsi. Thanks to a lack of natural athleticism or commitment or overbearing sports parents, fewer than 1% of 1% of 1% of people will ever play professional football. But instead of entering the NFL, they've joined another league, the League of Football Watchers. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready ready for game day no matter how you watch. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through any game day because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football watching. Go to madeforfootballwatching.com to check out the latest football watching content from Pepsi. And I spent a lot of time over the last 48 or so hours watching football, specifically the Titans matchup against the Houston Texans, looking for any additional information or extra schematic tidbits I could pick up that I could bring back to you all and leave at your doorstep. Well, today is is that day. It is Rewatch Wednesday, so I do plan on going over all of my additional analysis, all of my extra notes that I picked up from re-watching the coach's tape multiple times. So we are going to dive into that in the middle of our show, but we will kick things off talking about the news of the day. And the Titans got more positive news on Tuesday in relation to their COVID-19 outbreak. And it looks like we may be able to finally close the door on that portion of the season and mostly from a roster perspective so a lot of good positive news for the Titans from a roster standpoint and from a season standpoint to kick off our show I will bring you guys all of the latest and then to cap off today's show we do need to take a look to the future but in the spirit of of this rewatch Wednesday, I spent a lot of time with my magnifying glass focused on Ty Sambrillo after he took over for Taylor Lewan. So now with Lewan officially out for the season with a torn ACL, who will replace Taylor Lewan in that left tackle spot? What is the best avenue for the Tennessee Titans to take? Does that include Sambrillo based on what I saw on tape, or should they go a different route? I will give you my take on what the Titans should do, but also present all of the options available to you on the Titans roster in free agency and some trade candidates as well. So taking a look at what the Titans game plan could be at the left tackle position going forward the rest of the year. So a big rewatch Wednesday here on the Locked On Titans podcast, but today will be the last day that we focus on the Texans game from Sunday tomorrow, it'll be time to put that in the rearview mirror and look forward to a major matchup between two undefeated powers in the AFC when the Titans take on the Pittsburgh Steelers. And we will have Chris Carter from the Locked on Steelers podcast back on the show again to break down this game now that we've seen these teams play a few more weeks. So a great conversation on our Crossover Thursday pod coming up tomorrow. And then a Football Friday is ahead of us. I will have the keys to the game, the player matchups to watch, 
fantasy gambling, the latest injury report, and much more. So a lot of great content coming up the rest of the week on the Locked on Titans podcast. Make sure that you are subscribed on whatever platform you do stream, whether that be Apple Podcasts, following on Spotify, Stitcher, or whatever platform it happens to be. Please make sure that you are locked in to the Locked on Titans podcast. But with that in mind, a big rewatch Wednesday ahead of us. More positive news for the Tennessee Titans. My extra analysis from re-watching the coaches tape and what the Titans could do at left tackle going forward. Let's get it! It has been an incredible last three days for the Tennessee Titans. On Sunday, an impressive overtime victory over a division rival to keep an undefeated season going. On Monday, news dropped that the NFL had concluded its investigation into the Tennessee Titans COVID-19 outbreak and that they would not get any severe punishment like a loss of a draft pick, a forfeit of a game, or any personnel or player suspensions, but instead would just face possible small and minor fines. And then on Tuesday, the positive news continued to roll in for the Tennessee Titans as they got word that both players that are still remaining on the COVID-19 reserve list would be activated, come off the list, and go back to their original places within the Titans roster. And the final two players to come off the COVID-19 reserve list are tight end Michael Pruitt, who goes back to the active 53-man roster and then Breon Borders, the defensive back that goes back to the practice squad. So after 14 players were on the COVID-19 list for the Titans after the initial outbreak, that number is now down to zero. The NFL's investigation has concluded with little to no punishment for the Titans, and they still sit at 5-0 and through six weeks of the NFL season. An incredible three days for the team as they push forward into the biggest game of the year against an undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers squad that also sits at 5 and 0. But that wasn't the only roster moves that took place on the day for the Titans. The Titans also added undrafted free agent tight end Parker Hesse, who was with the team earlier in the year. They added him back to the practice squad, where they put Breon Borders as well, and to make room for both of those players, they cut defensive back Greg Maben, who, if you recall, was the first Tennessee Titans player to test positive at the beginning of the outbreak on September 24th, and then defensive back Maurice Smith, who was also on the practice squad. Both of those players will be replaced by Parker Hesse and Breon Borders. Because of Taylor Lewan going to the injured reserved with a torn ACL, Michael Pruitt didn't have to replace anyone else on the active roster. He will take Lewan's spot. So the Titans are back to 53 on the active roster, back to 16 on the practice squad, and are back to zero players on the COVID-19 list. So good news for the Titans as they try to put the COVID outbreak behind them and continue forward with their 2020 season. But one thing that is of note is that the Titans did decide to add a tight end with that open spot on the practice squad with Parker Hesse after they already have four tight ends on the active 53 now with Pruitt being added back. You'll have Pruitt, you'll have Ferkser, you'll have Swaim, and you'll have Jonu Smith. And then you have 
have another tight end in Parker Hesse on the practice squad. It's obvious that the Titans are putting an emphasis on tight ends. That was obvious before the season started and throughout the first six weeks, but now with Taylor Lewan injured, it puts even more of an emphasis on the need for tight ends because schematically, the Titans will have to alter their plans and add more tight end help to Ty Sambrillo on the left side if that's the route that they decide to go and try to help him out with chipping tight ends and have extra people in pass protection and of course that means heavy tight end sets for the Titans so having as many tight ends as possible within the organization does make more sense now than it did before the Taylor Lewan injury so those roster moves do add up for the Tennessee Titans as they try to adjust their roster and adjust their personnel to deal with the injuries that have taken place. And speaking of the ways the Titans could deal with these injuries, later on in our show, we are going to take a look at what options the Titans have at the left tackle position outside of just Ty Sambrillo. What's available on the trade market? Who is out there in free agency? What could the Titans do internally with what they have on the roster outside of just a ton of tight end help? We are going to discuss all of that to cap off our show. But next, it is time for our re watch Wednesday segment where I give you all of my additional analysis and extra insights from re-watching the coaches tape multiple times over the last few days have some really good schematic insights and some good X's and O's examples to give you of what the Titans were doing to win that chess matchup with the Houston Texans on Sunday so excited to share all of that with you guys in our next segment. Watch Wednesday. Let's dive into my extra notes, my additional analysis from rewatching the coaches tape multiple times. Going to go over some of my tracking here, some of the things I noticed from the Titans, and we're going to start on the offensive side of the ball. My additional notes from rewatching the coaches tape for the Titans offense. And first, the Titans came out with an exact plan. They knew that the Texans were going to play zone coverage. So they wanted to attack the holes in the zone and attack underneath the zone starting off the game. And one of the ways that they were doing that is with Adam Humphreys and with Anthony Ferkser, both who excel at finding that hole in the zone, settling down and making sure that they use strong hands to bring in the pass. And the Titans utilized Ferkser and Humphreys over and over and over again through Throughout the game, that's pseudo slot receivers. That's the thing about Anthony Ferkser and Jonu Smith that makes my next point make so much sense. The Titans have incredibly versatile tight ends in Ferkser and Smith. Jonu can act as a running back, taking toss pitches out of the backfield. He has the skill set and the speed and agility of a wide receiver, while also having the strength of a tight end. So an incredibly versatile skill set for Jonu Smith. And then Anthony Ferkser has a slot wide receiver skill set in the you know sense of an Adam Humphreys type, but with a tight end's body and a tight end's physicality. Now, Ferkser isn't the best blocker in in the run game, but when you add in that added value of having some slot receiver qualities, you can really do a lot with multiple tight end packages. So, that's how the Titans tried to attack the zone, attack those holes in the zone, attack underneath the zone with heavy tight end personnel. Because here's the thing, if the Texans are going to play zone defense against the Titans... 
that means that the Titans want to get the Texans linebackers and base package personnel out on the field. This was a key to the game that I talked about on Friday, that the Titans would go with heavy tight end personnel to get more Texans linebackers out on the field. The Texans like to play nickel. They like to have five defensive backs out on the field and go up against teams who play three wide receiver sets. That's when they're most comfortable and they have their best personnel on the field. So you force them to do what they don't want to do. You force them to bring a linebacker like Brennan Scarlett onto the field in base personnel. And Scarlett was taken advantage of over and over and over again throughout the game. And I showed multiple examples of that in my Tic Tac 4-pack that is posted on Twitter at Tic Tac Titans right now that I went over in yesterday's episode as well. So the Titans were able to get Brennan Scarlett out on the field in base defense by having heavy tight end personnel. But because of the versatility of a Jonu Smith and the versatility of an Anthony Ferkser, the Titans basically have wide receivers out on the field that are playing the tight end position. It allows them to do a bunch of different things. And one of the things that the Titans were doing is varying the formation. So they would have three tight ends out on the field. But one point in the red zone on one of the touchdowns, the A.J. Brown touchdown catch, they had Jonu Smith in the backfield, Derrick Henry out at slot slot wide receiver next to A.J. Brown, and then Jeff Swaim and Anthony Ferkser lined up at tight end. So just varying the formation, using the versatility of the personnel to perfection. Arthur Smith is a genius, man. He's a genius. So the Titans attacked underneath. They found holes in the zone by having heavy tight end personnel with varied formations, getting the personnel for the Texans they want out on the field, which means Brennan Scarlett in pass coverage in zone against the Titans tight ends. And as a matter of fact, the Titans used three tight end formations on both of the their first two touchdowns and something that I tracked the Titans had about 35 to 36 offensive plays in the first half 22 of those plays they had two tight ends out on the field and nine of those plays they had three tight ends out on the field so a quarter of their plays in the first half they had three tight ends that is most certainly bucking the NFL average when it comes to 13 personnel of course 13 personnel one running back three tight ends 13 so the Titans use a ton of 12 personnel with two tight ends 22 personnel with a fullback and two tight ends 13 personnel and certainly the NFL mostly likes to run their 11 personnel with three wide receivers so the Titans zigging when the NFL is zagging going with heavy Heavy packages and heavy tight end formations so that they can get base defenses out on the field and then take advantage of those extra linebackers in zone coverage. So that was the plan for the Titans schematically coming into this game and they were able to execute that throughout the first half in route to 21 first half points and an 11 point halftime lead. But on the very first play of the second half for the Titans offense, Jonu Smith hurt his ankle and from then on out the Titans had to adjust their plan. They couldn't use those three tight end sets anymore. Couldn't use as many two tight end sets either because Jonu Smith is the most versatile tight end that they have and it kind of made them adjust what the game plan was. We started seeing more Kari Blossom game as a fullback to create those heavy personnel packages for the Titans offense and Kari is a solid fullback but he just doesn't give the Titans offense the kind of boost that a Jonu Smith does for obvious reasons. So that affected the Titans game plan and then on the first play of the Titans second offensive drive in the second half Taylor Lewan goes out and 
that changes the scheme as well because now you have those tight ends out on the field, but you can't put them out in pass routes because you have to help the tight end, Ty Sambrillo, against J.J. Watt with a chipping tight end on his side, or you can't have the running back go out in pass coverage because they have to stay in for pass protection, and the Titans did that with Jeremy McNichols, and I'm going to be putting out a super cut of Jeremy McNichols in pass protection later on this week. He was phenomenal, and I expect even when Darrington Evans does get healthy, that Jeremy McNichols continues to have a really good share of the snaps in the backfield for the Titans. The last couple of things that I want to mention is the two missed field goals, one blocked, one missed, and just killed the momentum for the Titans after two decent drives where they missed Jonu Smith and then missed Taylor Lewan. To have those injuries start the drive and have missed kicks end the drive, back-to-back drives, that's very difficult to come back from. So shout out to the Titans offense. And then the last thing that I want to point out on offense for the Titans is that two-point conversion that they got to make the game 29-23 to rather than being 28-23 to or 27-23. to The Titans needed that two-point conversion based on what happened later in the game, and it was a beautiful play where they brought Derrick Henry from the left-hand side, split out as a wide receiver in jet motion. It forced the Texans' defense to slide to the right, to slide with Derrick Henry. Ryan Tannehill faked it to Derrick Henry going right, then rolled out left and found Nick Westbrook in the back of the end zone on a crossing route. Just absolutely beautiful play design from Arthur Smith, and the Titans needed that two-point conversion. It's been kind of glossed over with all of the great plays that took place. And we are going to move over to the defensive side of the ball, but before we do, I want to tell you about Built Bar, the best-tasting protein bar ever. Last time, our promo code was running with Built Bar. You guys sold out their inventory, and now they are back and better than ever with even more deliciouser flavors. They have six new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, and apple almond crisp to go along with their 12 original flavors. The bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. They are soft and easy to chew. They can help you lose or maintain weight all while it feels like you're indulging in a delicious treat. They're great for anybody who's health conscious. They're low calorie, low sugar, high protein, high fiber, and great for a keto diet. Plus, the promo code that you used originally has been relaunched. That's right. You can go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKEDON and you'll get another 20% off your next order. And best of all, you have a chance at a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. So once again, that is promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. A healthy life includes a healthy sex life, but if you struggle with erectile dysfunction, you may not feel like your best self. If you want help with ED, Roman connects you with a real U.S. licensed healthcare professional who can prescribe the medicine you need. With Roman, you get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship you real medicine with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and best of all, it's discreet. Getting started is easy. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to talk about, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit to connect with a doctor and take care of it. Just go to GetRoman.com slash LockedOn to get up to $50 off your first 
month of ED treatment, a free online visit, and free two-day shipping. That's GetRoman.com slash LockedOn for up to $50 off your first month of ED treatment. GetRoman.com slash LockedOn. Then on the defensive side of the ball, we will roll through these pretty quickly. On the Texans' first two drives... They were heavy zone coverage, and the Titans were trying anything they could to stay in zone and not play man against those speedy wide receivers, and Watson was just off early on. There was a few drops, a few inaccurate passes, and it allowed the Titans to survive and build that early lead, which they needed. Also, early, Jeffrey Simmons was absolutely dominant, destroying the line of scrimmage, had a sack early on as well, so great from Simmons early. I'll get into a little bit later on how his play kind of tailed off at the end, but the Titans wanted to be heavy zone coverage on defense, and Watson was off early, which allowed the Titans to get rhythm on offense and get that first half lead. But, but things started to change in the middle of the second quarter. Deshaun Watson got into a rhythm. The Titans were getting less pressure on him. The Texans started to attack the sidelines, attack Jonathan Joseph, attack Malcolm Butler. The Titans were running zone coverage, and whether it be a cover two that the wide receiver can get above the outside corner and in between the corner and the safety, or whether it be a cover three or a quarters coverage, cover four, where the outside corner has the boundary and has the outside third or the outside corner. Basically, in those moments, you can take advantage of the sidelines, and that's what the Texans were able to do, and Watson started getting rhythm short and medium. They were attacking the outside of the field against those outside corners. Also, the Texans started to go trips heavy. So that's three wide receivers to one side. They started going heavy with trips because when you run trips formation, you can attack zone defenses by over flooding certain areas. So think about a cover three coverage. You have one, you have the cornerback on the outside covering deep. You'll usually have somebody covering the flat, maybe nobody covering the flat, and then somebody taking the short to intermediate sideline area. Well, if you only have two defenders on the sideline, the deep corner, and then and then the outside underneath guy, and you have three wide receivers over there, someone's going to be open. So that's how you beat zone coverage in the NFL. You flood the zone. You put too many receivers in the zone area for the zone defenders to, call, to guard. You try to outnumber them and make it a math problem that they can't solve. And the Texans started doing that, and Deshaun Watson got hot, and it countered the Titans' zone, and the Titans had to mix in a little bit of man coverage so that the Texans didn't know exactly what they were doing. And when the Texans got the Titans in man coverage, they took advantage because their wide receivers are are just faster and better against Malcolm Butler, Jonathan Joseph, Christian Fulton. It's just a bad matchup for the Titans in those circumstances. So the Texans were able to, to get into a rhythm there. And then from the Titans' perspective in the second half, mental error started taking place. The DPI on Christian Fulton, the blown coverage by Malcolm Butler, the long catch by the tight end on the blown coverage by either Kevin Byard or Jonathan Joseph, depending on what the play call was there. The Titans started making mental errors in the second half. Fatigue was an issue. They were getting no pressure. It was obvious that they were gassed late in the game, and Watson just started picking them apart. The Titans tried to start rotating the defensive line a little bit more in the fourth quarter, getting Larell Murchison in there, getting Isaiah Mack in there, and also we saw Vic Beasley just 
get washed away and they went with Derek Roberson in there late in the game trying to just give anybody a break that they could to get the the pressure a, a little bit of a reprieve in hopes that they can make a push late in the game. Now, they weren't able to do that, but the Titans' defense was able to bail them out. Now, the last thing that I want to mention about the defense, or two things that I want to mention about the defense here before we go into the Titans' plan at left tackle. Uh, the too many men on the field, the 12 men on the field penalty, we talked about that on Monday after the game, but a, a stroke of genius from Mike Vrabel. There was about three minutes and five seconds left. He intentionally sent a 12th man out on defense. Jonathan Joseph was out on the field and looked at Mike Vrabel confused like, what the heck are we doing? Why did you send him out here? Out here? Vrabel tells Joseph, don't worry about it, calm down. The Titans take the penalty. It gives the Texans a first down on second and one, but here's the thing. Mike Vrabel knew that the Texans were going to score on that drive because the defense couldn't stop him. So he was trying to conserve time as best as possible. By sending out a 12th man and taking a 12 men on the field penalty, it effectively stopped the clock because it was a dead ball defensive penalty and saved the Titans 40 seconds. They tied the game up with four seconds left on the A.J. Brown touchdown. Those 40 seconds mattered. Mike Vrabel acted like he was mad at Joshua Kalu afterwards to sell it to the refs and kind of keep it low key that he did it on purpose. So again, a master stroke from Mike Vrabel. It harkens back to the, the clock management that he had against the Patriots in the playoffs where you know he kept taking penalties on the punt to save the or to burn clock Mike Vrabel is going to find loopholes in the rule book and take advantage of them and I love having a coach that will do that the last thing I want to mention is Malcolm Butler continues to be hunted by other teams uh, he had nine targets in the fourth quarter alone by my count. Had 11 targets throughout the game. Gave up seven catches, 110 yards, and a touchdown. Had a mental mistake on the deep fuller touchdown. He's been targeted 42 times on the season. That is third most in the NFL. And as they say in basketball, you're open for a reason. When teams leave you open and let you shoot on purpose... It's not a coincidence that Malcolm Butler is the third most targeted player in the NFL in the passing game. He deserves to be. He's just not getting the job done. And I don't think it's a mental issue. I just think physically he wasn't the most twitchy guy, wasn't the most athletic, quick, agile guy to start, more of a physical presence. And as you get older, your physicality starts to fade and you don't have the requisite athleticism to continue to be productive. And we might be seeing uh, Malcolm Butler kind of fall out of his prime here. And uh, it's something that the Titans will have to address in the offseason most certainly. But hopefully they can scheme around it for right now and continue to be a zone-heavy team until they get a Dory Jackson back to match up with some of those speed threats that they'll have to go against throughout the rest of the season. But that is going to do it for this extended re-watch Wednesday, and we are going to move into what the Titans could do at the left tackle position going forward. know if you guys noticed this, but anytime we do our Tic Tac 4-pack, a Tic Tac film breakdown, or a Rewatch Wednesday, 
I talk so long about the X's and O's and about the schematics that I have to break it up into two segments. It's unbelievable. But you can never question my passion and the enjoyment I have of breaking down the tape with you guys. And uh, according to the reviews and the things you guys say on Twitter, that's exactly what you want. So happy to be able to oblige there. But let's get into some uh, planning here for the Tennessee Titans, some options that they might have to deal with the loss of Taylor Lewan to the ACL tear. So, of course, the number one option that the Titans will have, and what I think is the most likely route that they will take, is they can continue going with Ty Sambrillo at starting left tackle. Now, Speaking of Ty Sambrillo, taking a look at how he's performed throughout the beginning of the year. Looking at the tape, especially taking a look at that Houston Texans game, Sambrillo has been okay. And let me kind of break that down for you guys. Against some matchups in pass protection, he has really, really struggled against Yannick Ngakwe in the Minnesota Vikings game. At times against J.J. Watt in the game on Sunday, he just really struggled. But those are some of the better defensive linemen in the NFL. So it's fair for a league average or slightly below league average offensive lineman to struggle with those guys. And other opportunities that he's got, especially on on Sunday against the Texans, he was great in the run game. He did a good job of combo blocks with his tight end, with his guard to get movement. Now, not a fantastic performance. There were a couple of times he had some plays he would wish that he could get back, but overall, a pretty good performance in run defense. Now, as I mentioned, he struggled with J.J. Watt, but overall, late in the game, I thought Sambrillo did a great job holding off J.J. Watt on the last two drives of the game that resulted in touchdowns for the Titans. So, First off, I think Sam Brillo is the number one option for the Titans and the most likely answer that they will have. Just going with Ty Sam Brillo at left tackle, letting Dennis Kelly continue to play at right tackle. And as for how Sam Brillo looks in terms of player grades, I gave you my evaluation based on what I'm seeing from the film. But in terms of player grades, Sam Brillo has a 66.1 offensive grade per pro football focus on the season, 60 in pass protection, and 71.5 five in run defense and against the Texans had a 69.9 overall grade 55.7 in pass protection and 89.9 in the run game remember those grades are out of 100 so a really solid performance in the run game for Ty Sambrillo struggled in pass protection but the Titans are going to have to get him help with tight ends and running backs anyway but right now as I mentioned I think that's the most likely uh, route that the Titans will take because the familiarity there. Ty Sambrillo has been a starter in the NFL. Um, he has at times played well enough to be a starter in the NFL after being a second round pick in 2015. So Ty Sambrillo is probably the move. But what if the Titans don't want to go with Ty Sambrillo or if they want to add depth to the roster outside of Ty Sambrillo if they want to bring in another offensive tackle. Well, what are the options that they would have? Well, first, let's take a look at the free agent market. And someone who is still out there right now is Cordy Glenn. He's a career offensive tackle, played some guard later in his career, too, as his skills started to erode. But he's played in 97 games in his career, started 95 of those games. And like I said, he is a street-free agent right now. The Titans could get him in the building and allow him to compete for a left tackle spot or, at the minimum, 
provide depth to the Titans' tackle position that right now, because of Isaiah Wilson, who I'll talk about a little bit more at the end of this conversation, the Titans may want to add additional tight end depth because they don't trust what they have on the roster now that Taylor Lewan is gone. One more injury, and the Titans could be in a very difficult position. They have Brandon Kemp and David Questenberry on the practice squad, but quite frankly, I don't see either of those players as an actual option for them on a Sunday. So Cordy Glenn, an incredibly experienced, long-term starter at offensive tackle in the NFL that's a street-free agent. He is older. He's 31, but, but... Like I said, tons of experience and maybe a good option for the Titans as a depth piece that could take over if there's another injury. And then Gerald Valdir, I like Cordy Glenn way better than Valdir here, but Valdir has played in 113 games in his career at offensive tackle. My apologies, 113 starts, 120 games in his career. He is a street free agent. He's 33 years old though, so I would go with Glenn, but that is an option that the Titans would have if they don't want to give up any draft capital. Taking a look at some trade options, though, and this is where things get a little interesting for the Titans. Remember, Jack Conklin getting such a big contract in free agency should net the Titans a third-round compensatory pick, so they'll have an extra third. The Titans also traded one of their seventh-round picks, the Drell Casey pick, for a sixth-round pick in this upcoming draft. They also traded Kamale Correa for a sixth-round pick, so the Titans have three sixth-round picks and an extra third-round pick. So they do have a little bit of capital that they can play with if they do want to make a trade for some extra depth and some options that they could have available. Not saying these teams would make these trades, but there is some logic behind why they would be available. Ty Neschke from the Buffalo Bills is the third or their third tackle there behind Daryl Williams and Deion Dawkins. He's played in all six games this year. He's played in 72 games in his career with 17 starts. So he has starting experience. He's just behind two guys on a depth chart that are better than him in Buffalo. Could be an option for the Titans as he's still a young guy. Next, Chris Hubbard from the Cleveland Browns. Although some see him as a guard at this stage in his career, he is a solid player who's just behind rookie Jedrick Wills and, of course, Jack Conklin. He's played in 74 games in his career, started 25 of those games, so he could be an option for the Titans as he's played in all five games this year, started two games this year for the Browns as well, so clearly he's a solid player out there in the NFL, if not starting caliber. Next, Ricky Wagner for the Green Bay Packers. He's currently behind David Bakhtiari and Billy Turner, but he's played in 107 games in his career, has 88 starts, played a lot of time with the Detroit Lions, played in all five games this year for the Packers, had one start as well, so he's a guy that the Titans could look at. Also, Russell Okung, who's probably the best player out of all of these options that I'm going to mention. He's in the last year of his contract in Carolina, 128 games played in his career, 128 starts, four games that he played in this year. He started all four of them, so he's an actual starting caliber offensive lineman, and Carolina may be looking to stack draft picks. They are at the beginning of a little bit of a rebuild, even though they've been a competitive team this year. They have Greg Little 
on their bench who was a second round offensive tackle and although he's been a disappointment maybe they feel like they could eat the loss of Okung and go to Little and get back a draft pick say a fifth round pick a fourth round pick something like that from the Titans to get Okung in the building that might be a good trade for the Carolina Panthers and something that the Titans would look to explore then for the Arizona Cardinals Kelvin Beecham he's currently a starter for the Arizona Cardinals but he is in his last year of his contract they did draft third round rookie offensive tackle out of Houston, Josh Jones. They may be looking to plug him into the lineup, but Beecham does have a ton of experience. 110 games played, 105 started, started in all six games that the Cardinals have played this year, so they may be willing to let him go for a mid-round draft pick because they have the rookie in Josh Jones that they can slide into the lineup. Maybe not, maybe so. Titans should definitely make a call. And then one of the worst options that I have on here is Cedric Oboye from Seattle. Maybe a shot in the dark for the Titans. He's really struggled throughout his career. Played in 50 games, 25 starts, only played in one game this year for the Seahawks. Uh, like I said, probably the worst player available, but if the Titans wanted to send a 7th round pick or a late 6, something like that, they might be able to get Oboye in the in the building. And then Cam Robinson, he's kind of in the Russell Okun vein as one of the better options in terms of talent. Uh, Cam Robinson is the starting left tackle for the Jacksonville Jaguars. He is in his final year of his contract. They are clearly tanking. He probably won't be around after the season. So, if the Titans were able to swing a trade. They've already done a trade with the Jags this year. There's a connection there and a good relationship, obviously. If they're able to swing a trade with the Jags for, say, a fourth-round pick, a fifth-round pick, get Cam Robinson, who's actually a starting-level left tackle in the building. He's played in 37 games in his career, started every single one of those, started all six games for the Jags this year. I feel like he would be a very solid option. So that's what the Titans would have available in the trade market. That's what they would have available in the free agent market. The last thing that I want to talk about is what they would have available to them in the building. So, of course, a lot of you during this are saying out loud, what about Isaiah Wilson? What about Isaiah Wilson? Well, to me, based on what we've seen from the Tennessee Titans, uh, Isaiah Wilson's not ready to play. Mentally, he's not there. He couldn't step in for the Titans. If Ty Sambrillo got hurt, the easy answer would be move Dennis Kelly over to left tackle, plug in your first-round offensive tackle at right tackle, and you should be okay. Well, that's just not an option for the Titans right now, in my opinion. So I think that they need to bring somebody into the building and if the Titans do go with Ty Sambrillo, I don't see them flopping those tackles. Don't do that. Then you get worse at two positions instead of just left tackle. So Dennis Kelly's going to stay at right tackle, I believe. So I think that it's more logical that the Titans would bring in somebody to play left tackle over Ty Sambrillo than it is that they would kick Kelly over to left tackle and play Isaiah Wilson at right or that they would play Isaiah Wilson at left tackle and leave Kelly at right. Sorry, guys, but Isaiah Wilson's just not ready to play in the NFL. It's unfortunate. It's not what I want to say. It's not what I want to be the case, but it is the case. So I think that it's more likely that the Titans go outside the building, whether it be free agency or a trade, to add to that depth at the tackle position with someone they can count on more than their 20-year-old rookie who just doesn't seem to have his head on his shoulders, despite the fact that Mike Vrabel did say in a press conference earlier this week that he was in great shape, and that's something that he committed to, something that he really strived to be when he got back on the roster from being on the COVID-19 list. So it appears that I 
Isaiah Wilson is in good physical shape, which is contrary to reports we heard earlier in the season in training camp and in the the quote-unquote preseason. So it's good to see that step from Isaiah Wilson, but I don't think mentally he's ready to go in terms of actually playing out on the field. So those are the options that the Titans would have. That's my feel on where things stand. An incredibly long rewatch Wednesday of the Locked On Titans podcast. I hope you guys did enjoy, but that is going to do it for me today. I will be back with you guys on a crossover Thursday to start prepping and previewing for the Pittsburgh Steeler game this weekend. As always, I am your host, Tyler Rowland, and this was Locked On Tight.